You're listening to the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network. You can find out more about this and other network shows, as well as Small Town Monsters films, books, our upcoming Kickstarter campaign, and much more at smalltownmonsters.com. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to STM Live, everybody. I'm seeing a lot of familiar names in the chat. It's great to see you all this evening. We've got another great show lined up for you. Uh, can't wait to take your questions, which, as always, please drop those in the chat as we go here. But we have a few announcements to send your way first, some stuff that I'm really excited about, some stuff that I know all of you are very excited about. There is a new episode of The Lore You Know available right now on your favorite podcasting platform. This week, our guest is Adam Dugan, the COO of Small Town Monsters. Uh, if you think you know all there is to know about Adam, you don't until you listen to this episode. And then there'll probably be some other stuff, but it's a great episode. We have started rolling out the tier reveals for our upcoming Kickstarter campaign, which launches a week from tomorrow. I'm super hyped. I hope to see all of you guys at the live stream on February 1st, which again is a week for tomorrow. We're going to be making announcements. We're going to be showing film previews, uh, doing prize giveaways. Mark Matsky is back with a whole bunch of trivia questions for you guys. You're going to be able to get your name in the credits of the next round of STM films, including Lost Contact featuring uh, this poster by Chelsea Lowe, which I'm super stoked about, and and a very special, unannounced project. What is it? What's it about? What's going on? I don't know. I do know. I'm going to stop talking about it before I spoil the surprise, but we hope to see you all at the live stream next week. Can't wait. So without further ado, let's get into tonight's discussion. The man himself, you know him, you love him, Mr. Eli Watson. Hey, buddy. Hey. What's How's going, going on, party people? I actually saw that comment in the chat. I believe that was our friend SoCal Squatch. What's so, up, party people? I've been swinging hard since 76. Since 76. Is that a reference to a song? I didn't get it. It's a not. reference. I have no idea. Okay. Ask SoCal Squatch. Okay, well, hopefully they'll tell us. <laughs> but no, welcome back, man. It's great to see you. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot of interesting questions from the audience tonight, so I can't wait to get to those. But I do have, I have one for you that's been in my notes for a really long time, and I keep saving it for the end, thinking it's going to be a great way to close out the show, um, and then we don't get to it. So <laughs> it's a, I'm going to throw it out at the beginning, and then hopefully the audience will come in and uh, with some better questions. But this is a hypothetical for you. Okay. You okay? You've just been arrested. For something Sasquatch related, what is it? Who knows, dude? <laughs> Maybe uh, I don't know, dude. There could there could be anything. Oh look, hello, Carrick. That's my good friend, Carrick Saint Laurent. Hello to Carrick. Good to see you, buddy. Jasmine is here with us. Hello, Jasmine. Oh, hello, Jasmine. There's our buddy Scott. Julie Bug is here as well. And J.E. Roberts watching from Ohio. How about if I were to be arrested? Let's take the hypothetical scenario that I kill one or I find one dead. And I couldn't like and I'm alone and I couldn't get people out to like help me transport the body. I didn't have the means to cut it up. 
but I do have a rope. So I just <laughs> tie the <laughs> rope around it and drive off with it. Just kind of okay, okay. You so know? that could that could be a few things. That could be like a driving, a moving violation. That could be unlawful transport of a animal. People could might have thought I just murdered somebody and was just dragging them around. Yeah, I was trying to keep it light, but yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Well, it's possible. It's possible that you might not be alone where that two transpire. There's one man who might be there with you. A very special surprise guest this evening, Mr. Chris Spencer of the Olympic Project. Hello, Chris. Hello. See, this is why Chris Spencer is a good man and my favorite researcher. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> He doesn't believe me, but it's true. Well, I didn't realize, or uh, I was hopeful that we would see Mr. Spencer tonight, but um, I'm very excited. So this is going to be fun. It's going to be a fun conversation. Uh, to anybody just tuning in, I do see that we have several people that have logged on in the last little bit. Uh, please do drop your questions for Eli and for Chris in the chat, and we will absolutely ask them. Uh, but he, there's one question, Eli, that you asked in this episode that I thought was really insightful. And yeah. the way you asked it, it was kind of, kind of, it seemed like you were doing it maybe as a lark, but it ended up resulting in some really interesting insight and conversation with uh, Chris and the rest of the crew. So I want to posit this question to you. And then, of course, Chris, please weigh in at any point. Uh, but is Eli Watson afraid of Bigfoot? <laughs> well, first, I want to address the, uh, the way I asked the question, I just figured I would be very direct. Yeah, ask Chris. Yeah, this might be insightful. Chris, how many questions did I ask you guys? When were you not asking questions? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I had no and the the thing was I had no idea is this gonna be in the film or not? Every question is like I I didn't know what was gonna show up and and then I realized now everything's in the film. So when you're asking questions, it's going to be in the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you take uh, one lesson I mean, away. <laughs> a lot of times I didn't even realize you were filming. I knew you were filming a lot, but a lot of times, um, like with Rebecca, I, I don't even acknowledge that you're filming me. I think we're just having a conversation most of the time. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad it got to that point. Uh, cause I think it's really, I captured a lot of really candid moments and I'm really happy with that. Hope you're okay with that, Chris. <laughs> I am. I have, I have one complaint. I told you when I was struggling to climb that dang tree through the huckleberry with that tree stand, don't put that in and you put it in. <laughs> I really enjoyed that segment. I used to climb a lot of trees when I was a wee lad and it took me back to a really positive place in my life. I enjoyed it. I'm being facetious, but I'm serious. I really enjoyed that segment. There was a huckleberry bush on the backside of the tree. And then there was another little tree growing right where I was climbing through that. And the back of the tree stand was hanging up on that. And so I look kind of goofy, but oh, well, no, dude, you're fine. No, I thought it was pretty cool. I don't think, uh, I can't speak for anyone in the audience, but for myself, I don't know about 
despite my experience in trees, I don't know about climbing one in the dark with all that gear where there might be Sasquatch. I don't think I could handle it. So I thought it was, I thought it was pretty cool. Just saying, just well, saying. To answer your question though, Aaron, <laughs> if I'm afraid of Bigfoot, I, I would say probably yes, honestly. Um, for a lot of the same reasons that Chris actually said in the episode, it's a large, intelligent animal that kind of scares me, dude. <laughs> it's just, and they're sneaky. And I don't know if one wanted to kill me, I have no doubt that it could. And yeah, I don't know. It just, it kind of makes me nervous. I, I don't think I've been around Sasquatch very much. But there's two times in my life where I felt like I was, and both times was a little alarming. So just because you can't see, they they I honestly 100% think they hang out in spots that's difficult for you to see them in, and it's like that that plays a really big like psychologically that's a big thing if you can't see like that's why you're like scared of the ocean right is you mm -hmm. can't see what's below you it's, it freaks you out you can't see it yeah they say the the scariest monster movies are the ones that never show the monster you know yeah. generally because it's it's not knowing it's that great unknown yeah yeah, yeah. So. well that that kind of takes us into an audience question, actually. Uh, Ron S. asks uh, and says, good evening, everyone. Have any three of you actually been within 100 yards of a Bigfoot from southern Wisconsin, 10 miles away from Bray Road? Ooh, Bray Road. I can say that I have not, not that I'm aware of, but I don't know that I would necessarily know. So, I'm pretty sure I have been very close to them a number of times. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yes <laughs> the two times that i felt like i've been very close i was definitely within 100 yards a lot closer than 100 yards i was yeah, the... no go ahead uh, I... sorry i was gonna make a dumb joke please go ahead you know like i said in the film up until the experience i had in 2013 with my son i had no problem going out hunting and camping in the woods by myself i mean there there's times i slept just out under the stars by myself before and never never a thought um but after the experience where my tent got pulled on with my son in 2013 and i'm fairly certain it was a sasquatch that did it um that scared the bejeebers out of me <laughs> and and you can i mean you can ask shane i've gotten a lot better like todd said um, both me and Todd have gotten way better with how we view these things. Yes, I'm always going to be afraid of them, but I, it's like Shane said also, there's a healthy respect and it comes down to situational awareness when you're out in the woods. It, it, it's made over the years, I've become very much aware of my surroundings and what's going on while I'm out there as much as possible. Um, and you should be everyone should be when you're out especially when you're out in the wilderness by yourself uh because it's not just you know a big scary monster that you might run into there's there's cougars there's bears you can you know especially in the states with grizzlies you come around a corner on trail and surprise a mama grizzly and now you're in a situation 
So, I mean, Rebecca touched on it in the, in the show also that, you know, you don't know with a large animal like this, if you surprise them, they might react with violence and because they're just as scared as you are. So it's about being aware of your surroundings. So anyways, I went on a tangent. No, that was awesome. <laughs> That's ex extremely insightful. Yeah. Cause we, again, we this comes up a lot in the show, but when you guys are out there, it's not just Bigfoot that you have to be afraid of, you know, there's all kinds of animals that we know for a fact are there. So, you know, that, I think it's important to bring that up, especially to a lot of us that might sometimes think, oh, I'm going to go out and do my own Sasquatch research. And then we don't think about that stuff in advance necessarily. So, no, I love it. I love it. Um, here's a fun question from Sandwich Savant. Always, always good questions from uh, Mr. or Mrs. Sandwich. Uh, hypothetically, if I found a Sasquatch body, what is the first thing I should do? Who should I call? How would I report it? That's a great question. <laughs> uh we kind of touched on that a little bit the last one but first thing you should do is photograph as much as you can video it if you have if you have your phone and can video i mean i would just document it as much as possible um before you go running off to report it and yeah um i'm not quite sure who <laughs> Who I would say to call? Uh, call Cliff, I guess. Yeah, call Cliff. Call Meldrum. The more um, the more conspiratorially minded amongst us, and I'm not speaking for anybody, um, would say, "Don't tell anyone in the government." Call. <laughs> yeah, call one no, of the guys you mentioned first. Call the DMV um, <laughs> and let them know. <laughs> the DMV is in on all of it. That's a that's a Men in Black <laughs> psyop. Yeah that's <laughs> no, i don't know i i don't know if i would report that i think yeah. I, would... I i for me i'm a part of group several groups there's certain key individuals that i would get a hold of uh right away i would like i said i would document it and then i would get the advice from my comrades on where to go next that's what i would do so I wasn't laughing at you, Chris. I, was, I saw a funny comment in the chat, but no, I think that's, that's such an interesting question. It's one of those hypothetical lines like, okay, I see one of these, I'll report it to this organization or that organization. But if you're faced with a real life specimen, you know, what would you, what would your first response be? You know, especially if you're thinking from the frame of mind of a person who's not necessarily into Bigfoot stuff, doesn't study this, doesn't, you know, have necessarily any desire to have this kind of an encounter. Um, so yeah, that's great advice. Great it's, advice. it is actually a good question. I, it's not something that I ponder much cause I, I really, <laughs> I really doubt I'm ever going to stumble upon a body, but you know, that's when things happen is when things you least expect to happen sometimes happen and it, it's something to ponder. Mm -hmm. Now, Chris, here's the question. If you were chopping up a Sasquatch, would you be tempted to eat the liver? No. No, that's – I'll draw the line there. <laughs> Chris locks off. He's like, okay. 
No, yeah. I, I, if I, it's, there's so many different variables in a situation like that. Odds are I'm going to have people with me. Um, But if I was to stumble upon one by myself, I'd go back to what Grover Krantz told me in 1991 cut a hand or a foot off and get out of there (laughs) after you photograph it as much as possible. Well, that's the other thing, too. Like a hand and a foot are probably the easiest things to cut off. I, I would think. Well, even Krantz said, you know, if it's like, I mean, if it's been dead for a while, then you're probably fine. But if it's like a recent, recent dead one, there's probably others around. And who knows how they're going to react to you messing with their relative. So, Mm, Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. There may still be more around. Ooh. Well, we, ha- we actually have an audience question, um, and it kind of goes along with that, and this may be a hypothetical, theoretical thing for us to talk about, but those are some of my favorites. Samwise Gamgee asks, do Bigfoot bury their dead? I have no clue. Yeah. I, I, I always, with, the, with that kind of scenario, I always go back to what other predators do. I don't think these things... Um, die sudden deaths most predators ambush predators like cougars and bears they die of natural causes um they get injured they get sick and they go hide themselves until they feel better and sometimes they don't feel better and they die where they've hidden themselves they'll Mm -hmm. hide themselves where they feel safe and that's my my thinking on it even even you know, domestic animals will do that. Dogs and cats yep. will will retreat to a corner or hide under the couch. And, you know, if you watch some of like, uh, what was it? Some of the recent shows, documentaries on chimpanzees that have been out. And I know one was on Netflix. Um, they were all shows on different channels before they hit Netflix. But if you watch them, they they show some of the older chimps that just they kind of just walk off and they don't come back. They go. They go out when it's their time and they go hide themselves Hmm. and they don't come back. Hmm. Interesting question. Thank you for that, Samwise. Uh, This is the comment that made me chuckle here a moment ago. Crash Crash Course Cryptozoology, our good friend Carrick, uh, says that Eli has promised to record me first, save me later if I'm ever attacked by a Sasquatch. He is truly fearless. So we can all hope for such a such a stout companion in the face of Sasquatch. Um, well, but I, Car- mean, <laughs> I mean, Carrick's sacrifice will only go to to serve, you know, like his noble sacrifice of him getting attacked. And then I'll record it just for me to post it on Facebook and people to tell me that it's fake. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But then where's Carrick? Where's Carrick? <laughs> he faked his death and moved to Cuba. Now he's living with Tupac as his neighbor. And the message boards go wild. <laughs> uh, but Carrick does have a follow-up question for us. A real question, though. Eli, what has been your most memorable experience in filming Road to Discovery? Uh, and hey, BH, good to see you here. It's another of our friends in the chat. Hello, BH. Good to see you. Yes, I agree. Uh, but most memorable memorable experience in filming Road to Discovery? Uh, I don't know. 
Short answer is I don't know. There was a lot of things happening on that past trip, on that trip in particular. I was at a very unique time in my life. (laughs) So uh, in a way, that trip itself was very calming and relaxing for me. And uh, putting together the series has been a very similar experience. Because originally this series was supposed to be like a limited series. And I've told Seth already that I, I would want to just keep it going. There's there's enough to cover that we could keep going and it's not going to get stale. And it also doesn't stress me out. <laughs> so <laughs> He said uh, that on the show a couple weeks ago. So Who did? I did. Seth, Seth that there was interest in ex- extending it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely going to be extended for how long i don't know until until i retire (laughs) gonna be who knows with retirement ages the going the way they're going it'll be another 60 years worth of road to discovery so we can all look forward to that yeah i figure i'll be i'll be running live streams and writing books about werewolves until i die so right there with you yeah (laughs) no i i guess i would just say yeah it's it's the whole the whole uh, filming and creation of this series has been very memorable for me. Probably my favorite production I've made with Small Town Monsters thus far. There's one that's competing for it, but I'm not allowed to say what it is. But it's you know possible that people could find out more if they tune into an upcoming live stream. You know, yep. possible having to do with the Kickstarter. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe we'll have some luck. And you'll get killed out in the field with us, and we'll get that on film. Because we all got GoPros going, and Rebecca's filming too. So that would be cool. Rebecca will have to step up and put together the last episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love how nihilistic Chris is about it. Maybe we'll all die, and that'll finally prove it. Yeah. Great question, Carrick. Thank you for that. Uh, here's a fun one for our for our guests. Uh, I seek light asks, "Have you heard of Sasquatch resembling a giant hairy spider as it droops down?" Um, that comment reminds me of I used to do. I've done a couple of Sasquatch audiobooks. I'm on Audible. Look me up, and one of them is called sasquatch spider apes and it basically revolves around the theory not even a theory the concept that sasquatch drops to all fours and crawls around not that they stick to walls or shoot spider webs just that they crawl around and that's a spider ape so (laughs) i was gonna say (laughs) to, to that um a very good friend of mine, Bart Catino, when he saw one in Therm, uh, I can't remember, it's about it's over 10 years ago now, up at Bumping, that individual dropped down to almost its belly several times and was very creepy as it did it because it was trying to figure out. It didn't know that Bart could see it, but it knew Bart was there and it was like 
fidgeting and it got down several times to that quote unquote all four spider type thing. He's he, you'd have to talk to him. I can't, I can't tell his story, but like he said, it was very weird the way it was moving. Um, and he was not that far from it at all. So there's some conjecture out there to that effect. That's interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's absolute proof or whatever, but I know Bart has witnessed something along those lines. Oh. Very interesting. Great question, I seek light. Love, love to love to go down those paths. Uh, our friend Scott, actually, you answered this a moment ago, but I got to shout out Scott anytime he's here. Uh, Eli, what has been the best part in filming slash creating? The Road to Discovery series. So if you have a follow-up answer, but you did answer that a moment ago. Hello, Scott. Always good to see sure. you. Uh, I think just how different it is from everything else that I've created and everything else that's on the channel. Because um, I, I think we've talked about this a little bit, but the thing I aimed to do was just to recreate like an old-school Bigfoot dock and have that kind of vibe. And I don't know if I really 100% captured that, but I feel like I caught lightning in a bottle of some kind of like this really relaxing documentary style. And uh, it's also very informative too. And I, I just, I think I just decided that I'm I was I was tired of making really fast-paced stuff that wasn't super informative. Not that like like I would say mysteries and monsters what I was making before this show was informative and but much more fast-paced and I think I was tired of that fast-paced. So, I wanted to slow it down and especially with the Olympic project and everything that goes on, there's so much it's like I want to give everything its moment to shine. Like if there's going to be a definitive documentary, it, that's what this needs to be. Mm. And that's how I ended up with the last episode. I mean, the first episode was an hour. Second episode was 90 minutes. The third episode was an hour and 50 minutes, but I split that in half. <laughs> so. I'm hoping that the trend starts going back down in length and doesn't keep ballooning in size. <laughs> but yeah, the final episode is eight, like six hours long and it's spread out over six months. It's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> very gray, very, very gray. Wow. Great question, Scott. Thank you for that. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, BH, our friend BH asks, Eli and Chris, uh, why do you think people are afraid of the concept of facing Sasquatch out in the bush, even if no confirmed aggression has ever been reported? Do you think it's due to a society, like a society thing? Interesting. We, we live in a society. We do, unfortunately. I tried to escape once. I don't recommend it. I don't know. I always go back to the fact that uh, a lot of the Native American stories are of an aggressive cannibal. <laughs> so there, there's not all the, especially here in the Northwest, most of the tribes don't have um, Sasquatch isn't a friendly forest giant to them. So there's something to that. 
I would agree with that. It's yeah, I don't know. It's uh I think the other thing too, you're seeing an animal already most people don't believe exists. So that's already frightening enough. You're like, oh, this this is crazy. I can't believe my eyes. But also it's eight feet tall and it's huge. And even if it's just looking at you, I mean, that's really freaky in and of itself, you know? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's a societal conditioning thing anymore. It's like, I feel like if you ran across a gorilla out in the woods by yourself, you would be freaked out. And gorillas are shorter than humans, you know, uh, or a chimp or an orangutan or, you know, I know those have more confirmed cases of aggression, but I don't know. It's just the aspect that you're not in control of that situation. I think there's it's also, well, there's also going back. I mean, I'm, I'm history and anthropology is my thing. And we were not the only, you know, mm. bipedal uprock walking apes on this planet. And we shared the planet with a number of other species of hominin um, in recent past. And so we competed with those individuals. And there, I think there's an ingrained, I can't remember the term for it, but I think there's an ingrained fear into coming across another individual whether it's your species or not i mean i i've been out in the woods and run into people and it kind of freaked me out because i didn't expect to see them there so yeah there's 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 a lot of different aspects uh to it but like especially what eli said i mean you run into something that big and even though i absolutely believe they exist i still have not had a close sighting of one um i don't know how i'm going to react i know it, i'm going to be afraid no matter what i'm hopefully get my camera up and start taking pictures but if i'm close to one you know face to face with one uh i think it's silly to say you wouldn't be afraid yeah i think there's a natural response in us too with any wild animal to kind of recoil and like you know have that fight or flight response. I uh, I found a possum in my shed a few months ago um, and it freaked me out. And that, you know, I settled down after several hours and got a broom and ushered him out of there. But that's just a small animal, you know, it's something that that's bigger than you that, that isn't supposed to be there. Like you guys said, like I can imagine being terrified. So great question, BH. Very insightful. Thanks, uh, BH. Always good to see you. Yeah. Uh, Sign Digger asks, any of you guys ever hear of stick to tree heating, hitting, sorry, near Skelac Lake, Alaska? I'm not familiar with that area. Neither am I. Sorry. No. Afraid not, Sign uh, Sign Digger. I'm afraid we don't have any info on that. But maybe, maybe you know more. You can point us towards something. Um, Scotty B has a comment that, uh, connected to what we were discussing a moment ago. Um, but there are hardly any reports of them harming humans though. So, you know, interesting. 
Well, also, you have to take into consideration that if it wanted to harm a human, your chances of escape are very, very slim. So, yeah, yeah. As they say, dead men tell no tales. So, interesting. Yeah. I always find just the topic of aggressive versus non aggressive Sasquatch to be very interesting. So, uh, Mr. Dollar Store Gloves is one we can all weigh in on. Asks, what is your mysterious dream cryptid you would love to look for? Orin Pendek, Yeti, Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> How about what's your dream cryptid right now, Eli? What are you chasing in your mind? Uh, dream cryptid at this point would probably be the Yeti or uh, going down south into like South America, the Mapinguari, which I mean, or <laughs> actually I have a few as it keeps going. The Mapinguari is reported. There's like two different versions that I keep coming across. There's like a giant ground sloth that has survived into modern day. And then uh, a more Sasquatch type. But then also recently, I just did a bunch of research into uh, woolly mammoths and uh, woolly mammoths possibly could have lived in stretches of the taiga, which the taiga is a large forest. I think the largest forest in the world at 3 million square miles in Russia. That's about two thirds the size of the United States. Some people speculate that woolly mammoths could have survived into present day by staying in the woods, which I see no reason. I mean, you, if, if a forest is that big, there's stuff that could be in there that people would never see. And it's also difficult to traverse because it's so cold. So, yeah, those are, those are my answers. Thanks. <laughs> I have been Eli Watson. <laughs> How about you, Chris? Or are you you're already maybe you're already I'm already it. doing it. So. <laughs> um I, I have an interest in in all the cryptids below. I have an interest in Yeti and Ring Pendek. Ring Pendek for a while really I I was really in interested in that and I've read what there is on that, but you know I obsess about Sasquatch. I, I live in Sasquatch country. Um, that's what I do. That's I'm already, you know, chasing it. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Mine. Uh, I, I've got a hard curveball on this one. I would really like to dig into um, Quetzalcoatl of Mesoamerican mythology, because, you know, we have this depiction of a giant snake with feathers. And then within the last, few decades scientists figured out that a lot of dinosaurs had feathers so that's an interesting thing to me and i'd like to talk to people that know more about you know mesoamerican mythology and archaeology and things like that to just explore that there's probably nothing to it i probably read too many uh too many sci-fi things no i i actually let me add on to that because um I just found out about this, but looking into the history of woolly mammoths, uh, you know, 
the way they're commonly depicted, you see cavemen hunting mammoths all the time. That was not the initial assumption when we found their bones. The initial assumption was that they lived so long ago that we never lived alongside them. And yet there was, uh, you know, Siberian depictions, uh, Northern Canada depictions of woolly mammoths, people with woolly mammoths, people riding woolly mammoths. And yet uh, modern science kept rejecting that and saying that that's impossible up until like 1930. So it's like 100 years ago. <laughs> so it's pretty. Uh, and I, I I've, haven't dug into it too much, but I've seen some depictions, some ancient depictions of people drawing dinosaurs. Like you said, Quetzalcoatl, like that could be a depiction of people living a song alongside dinosaurs, but because of the way the scientific community is set up, they don't want to ever admit that they're wrong or that they could be wrong. So they just say it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows that? I mean, they're doing the same thing with Bigfoot when you think about it. Their stance is that there's no great apes living in North America. Despite all this evidence to the contrary. Yeah, like but. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's my answer. There you go. Yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you for that question, Mr. Dollar Store Gloves. That was a fun one. Enjoyed that. Uh, Love to Wander asks, Eli, do you ever take out Bigfoot noobs. I'm assuming they mean uh, out into the woods in search of Bigfoot. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming too. Not I've like... received one text message about this comment already. So. <laughs> I'm assuming they don't mean taking them out, but, but um, <laughs> no, I um, I don't. I don't. I don't really go out camping with. I don't know. I, I no. I just don't do that. I <laughs> I guess I, <laughs> I not that I'm like against it. I just haven't had an opportunity, and I'm also not actively like seeking out people who haven't looked into Bigfoot to go camping and look for Bigfoot with. That's not something I particularly have an interest in. So I've done that once. I went with uh, Matt Moneymaker on a BFRO expedition. And it was pretty much me and Matt were the only ones who had ever been out looking for Bigfoot before. And, uh, I mean, I was just there filming. Matt Matt does a great job of teaching people stuff, and I don't know if I necessarily have the patience for that. And I don't know if I'm cut out to be a teacher. <laughs> I'm the what? teacher who comes into class and says, Hey guys, today we're going to learn about X, Y, Z, and I'm just going to show you a documentary about it. Put a video up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love to Wander does clarify that they were referring to new guys who are out looking for Bigfoot. So, yeah, yeah. great concept. I love that idea. Um, I do. I, I do think there may be some like liability issues involved that we'd have to have some kind of a lawyer work out for us. But really cool idea. Um, thank you for that. Love to wander. Harvest Mary Moon asks, do they have longer lifespan than humans? Referring to Bigfoot, I'm assuming. 
Who knows? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> best guess, Shane's talked about this a lot. They probably have a similar lifespan to other great apes. And, you know, they're definitely smaller in number, which means they're, they're spending more time with their parents as young. Um, and they probably have a, a little bit longer lifespan than the other animals in the woods, but I wouldn't say that they have any greater lifespan than the other great apes. So, you know, 40, 50 years, who knows? Maybe longer. It's a fun line of speculation. I, I was trying to think what data would we need to track something like that, like to even speculate on it. So very interesting to watch one be born and then watch that same one die. Well, I know, but other than that, <laughs> oh. <laughs> great question. Harvest Mary moon. Thank you very much. Uh, Pancho Zorch has a fun question for us. Who's in the Aper camp and the wooer camp. And I'm assuming we're talking about a uh, flesh and blood creature versus uh, a more supernatural or yeah. spectral entity as far as Bigfoot goes. Well, I will say this. If it turns out Bigfoot has anything to do with the woo, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> Bailing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm pretty solidified into the aper camp, I guess you would call it. That's not to say, though, that I won't listen to someone who's more in the supernatural side. Because... Uh, Someone I consider a friend and someone that I really enjoy talking to is Henry Franzoni. And he's definitely not in the these things are great apes camp. But he's really he's a really intelligent guy and he just has different thoughts. So yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. I tend to fall more in the biological animal camp, and it seems like the majority of the people I know who have spent a lot of time researching this, that seems to be where they're at, too. So and because I'm, I'm a coward, I just agree with whatever you guys say. But um, no, great question, Poncho. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Smileyface57 asks, greetings all. Chris, do you have any new audio recordings from Area A you could share with us? Area A, I don't have any recordings from Area A. Um, Rebecca was up there, but uh, it rained most of the time. And I don't, I haven't even looked at any of her audio. So, so maybe stay tuned. Maybe, maybe in an upcoming edition of The Road to Discovery. <laughs> well, Alex just did a whole series on Area A, Dark Coast. That's right. So for more on that, more on Area A, check that out for sure. Uh, here's a question from Scott. Eli, any chance of us getting a Lego Bigfoot film from you? I, I don't, don't like think this. So. I, oh. don't, I don't make Lego movies. You could, though. There's, it's, the audience is asking for it. They they are, this this whole thing behind me here is a castle I'm working on. I wonder what that was. It, yeah, it slowly gets bigger every episode. I was gonna say, tall, I feel like tall. I've seen it before. I assumed like a doomsday something or other, but no, yeah, it's a it's a castle that I'm working on. 
Very cool. Um, but yeah, no, I I don't have the patience for the stop motion. Although I'm sure I could be very good at it if I wanted to, but I, I don't want to. That <laughs> you know, that's the attitude I think everyone should take in life because people can get really good at things if they want to. You can do whatever you set your mind to. I believe that 100 percent The problem with me is there are things that I don't want to do, like make Lego movies. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. That's a great, great answer. No, I, I, I'm with you, Scott. I hope that Eli changes his mind one day, but um, I feel that. I played around with stop motion in the early days of YouTube. Um, yeah. You know, it's very difficult, and I was very bad at it. So, uh, no, I feel that. Uh, let's see. Hat Pauser asks hours. You got freaked out by a possum for hours, dude. Laughing emoji. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Uh, I wasn't prepared. For that <laughs> what? Not, not embarrassed to admit that there's a reason I write books about this stuff instead of going out in the woods and doing it. So, uh, yes, Hat Pauser. I, I, I did. I did. I did not enjoy that experience. Um, Julie Bug asks Eli, how and when did you get into all things cryptid? Well, in my in the golden years of my childhood i would go through phases of being very interested in not so much bigfoot funny enough but things like loch ness monster mothman chupacabra and then it was 2018 i was working at a movie theater at the time and I was going through another similar phase. Now I was in college. Now I knew how to read. Um, <laughs> so I was getting really into the Patterson-Gimlin film. And uh, there are certain anatomical features I was talking to a friend about. And he was like, I've never even noticed that. And from there we just kind of kept talking about bigfoot and stuff like that and then i suggested that we should start a podcast and uh i've told this story numerous times at this point but basically we ended up forming cryptid campfire jasmine is a co-host she is not the co-host i was talking to at the time though and um yeah basically from cryptid campfires when i started reading books to do research for episodes and I had never picked up a Bigfoot book before in my life. Now I have a large collection of Bigfoot and other cryptid-related books. And, uh, yeah, I just went down the rabbit hole and it took over my life. And now I'm here on this podcast with you and Chris Spencer, a good person and my favorite researcher. Thank you. I'm glad that I'm your favorite researcher. now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the good person part either. Uh, great question, uh -oh. Uh -oh. Julie. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> I don't know. Ask my wife. Um, <laughs> we are coming up on the hour. We're not there yet, but I just want to let everybody know that uh, we're going to try to get to as many questions as possible. Um, any questions we don't get to tonight, though, guys, I'm going to write them down and put them in my notes for next week. Uh, or for the next time Eli's here as they become relevant. So just just know that. Just know that I see you. I see you all. 
Uh, we do have a question from Hillbilly Scribs before we get into the last round of questions here, or a comment rather. Really enjoying this series. Dig the laid back vibe. The nesting sites are fascinating. Keep up the great work. So thank you, thank Hillbilly you. Scribs. I'm sure, I'm sure that Eli will not stop. <laughs> I can't or stop. Chris. I'm addicted to the shindig. Or Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. We're just going to go in the order. I saw these guys come in. Uh, Babaluga asks, do you consider werewolves and dogmen to be two different entities? Is this a question for me or is this a question for you? Don't ask me. <laughs> Don't ask me. That's the first time I've gotten a hard pass on this show. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I'll say for my part, I think there is a, a difference between a cryptozoological upright walking canine and something more in the spectral shapeshifter sense. I think there's reason to uh, believe that both phenomena have some basis in reality. What the crossover is between those things, if there is one, I don't know. Personally, I use the terms werewolf and dogman interchangeably because dogman witnesses often use the term werewolf when giving their reports. So that's where I fall on that. I don't know about you, Eli. I think there are two words for the same thing. And Chris cool. already passed. So. Yeah, that's our answer. <laughs> Thank you, Baba Luga. I can talk dog man all day. We may do that one day. Uh, kind of on the same line as earlier, uh, Baba Luga also asks, have you ever thought about allowing fans to pay to go on an expedition? That's probably a question for Mr. Seth Breedlove. Not for, not for yeah, me. I'm going to say that that's probably never going to happen. Yeah, probably not. Just because, again, liability and things like that. But if you would like to ask Seth yourself, maybe tune into next Wednesday's show. Maybe uh, maybe he'll be here. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Kim Jekyll has an interesting question and comment, kind of along what we were talking about earlier. I know most people have two views. One, it's a flesh and blood creature. This came in when we were talking about Bigfoot. Um, two, it's otherworldly. Could both technically be real or one more than another? Hmm. And you guys talked about that a few minutes ago, but I just think that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Could be, could be both. Could we, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Bring that back up. I guess it could be both, but I mean, other than some anecdotal evidence, I don't anecdotal, yeah, evidence. Uh, I guess you would call that, but I, I don't see a reason to assume that it's otherworldly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I mean, yeah. I, I have friends that. Uh, that I just I'm not I'm not there man I'm looking at hard data that's all I care about um, and I know people see stuff but I also know even myself that we're terrible at remembering what we see um, that's why I take so many notes I've mentioned I've mentioned this before but you know I've I've gone back and looked at notes I took in 2015 and realized that I was telling uh, about a certain experience the wrong way because I just remembered it wrong. We're terrible at observation. And I think a lot of what people see 
has a different explanation. Uh, you know, it's not that I, I don't believe in the spiritual realm. I do, absolutely. But I'm not collecting anything that would point in that direction right now. And I, I honestly, I would, if, if I was, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, I may be a total science guy, but I'm a Christian and, you know, that other stuff you're not supposed to mess with. There's a reason for that. Yeah, there are, there are, there are a lot of things in the world we don't understand. And I would, I would wager to say that not all of them are friendly. So great, uh, Great insight on that, Chris. Thank you. Great question, Kim. I enjoyed, I enjoyed that question. Uh, equally important in scope, SoCal Squatch asks, Eli, can you make a Lego Chris Spencer? Yeah, I can. And I plan on it. That's one of the things I've set my mind to. Don't worry, SoCal Squatch. I'm going to give you the little hobbit legs. I'm so excited. I can't He's wait gonna for this. Be, you know, we'll have Chris and Rebecca and Shane, and then we'll have a little <laughs> angry short guy. Dude, what if we what if we uh, <laughs> what if we kickstart an Olympic project Lego set? That would be cool. There's official channels you can do to actually digitally design your own Lego set, submit it to Lego, and if it gets enough votes, they'll actually release it as a set. Okay. Yeah. We so we know what 5,000 people to say they want it. Well, we know what our mission <laughs> is. Um, there are a couple hundred people watching right now. So that means every single one of you needs to recruit somebody to this cause. We need to get a design put out there. And hopefully by this time next month, we've got this thing off the ground. So uh, <laughs> move back. Stay tuned, folks, for the Olympic Project Lego, like, set. Lego set petition. I should say that so we don't get sued. Petition. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Happy Jack has a question for Chris. Chris, have you helped other researchers get the proper equipment and methodology? Yeah, I if you, I have a YouTube channel and I try to help out others that are trying to do what I do. Um, I, I've got a lot of videos on the different equipment I use. I got a video on how to use a spectrogram. I need to do another one of those. I, I actually, that reminds me, I should probably do some updated videos. Um, but yeah, my, my YouTube channel is Chris Spencer, Toodle River Valley Skookum. And, um, I, I'd love helping other people start doing what I'm doing. The more people recording, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Awesome. Awesome. And I think I know, I know Link if I were, Oh, sorry. Link We'll link my YouTube in the notes or something. I don't know. I can do that. Says. I can certainly do that. Yeah. Uh, squad members will be able to see the video version of this in perpetuity. If you're listening to the audio version, the link to Chris's YouTube channel will be in the show notes of either and, and both. Both. Yeah. I've watched lots of Chris's videos in the making of this series. Lots. Hours. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a lot. Learn from the master. I think I a lot. I think a lot of people are learning a lot about field research just from watching this series. You know, I know I am. So hearing it from the man himself. I'm yeah, gonna... it's it's an experience. It's a you know 
Chris, what Chris should do is he should put all of them out on like CD. <laughs> Since you primarily deal with audio, you could do like, you know, old school, like Ron Moorhead did the Sierra Sound CD. <laughs> you could do the Chris Spencer <laughs> Olympic Project CD. Oh, CDs are going to come back around like vinyl if they're not already. I don't know what the, what, <laughs> I don't know what the kids are into. Um, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I believe you. Let's see. Let's see. One final question for the night. And there are a lot of really great ones in here, but I do want to bring our friend Baba Luga back one more time because I think this is another really interesting speculative question. Do you think Sasquatches vary in genome as much as bears do? I have no idea. Actually, <laughs> I, I have no clue. Yeah. I have not even not even pondered that. So that's an interesting idea. I ponder a lot of different things, but that's not one of them that I've pondered. Hmm. Might be a fun line of research. I, I I would personally, I think I would need to know more about bears, and then more about yeah. Sasquatch, which I don't know a ton about Sasquatch. Maybe I shouldn't admit that hosting this show, but no, interesting line, Bob, or line of questioning, Babaluga. I really enjoy those speculative, hypothetical, you know looking at these things through a zoological concept. Really, really interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. We have Babaluga. Babaluga always bringing the good questions, just like the rest of our audience. Um, so tonight, folks, there are several questions we didn't get to. I want you to know that I have them highlighted. They are saved in my notes. And next time Eli comes back, we will do our best to get to as many of them as possible. But we have reached the conclusion of tonight's show. So thank you, Chris. Thank you, Eli, for joining us. Great to have you both back. Glad to be here. Glad to be here, brother. I appreciate yep. that. No well, we will, we will uh, hope to see you both again very soon. And uh, join us next week for a very special episode featuring... Uh, I'm not going to ruin it. We'll find out then. And join us next week, of course, for the live stream on Thursday, a week from tomorrow, for the launch of our Kickstarter campaign. Keep an eye on our socials for more information on that. And in the meantime, thank you for tuning in to SDM Live. You've been listening to the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network. If you enjoyed this show, consider giving it a like, review, rating, or sharing it with a friend. And be sure to visit smalltownmonsters.com for more info about this and other STM projects.